Hello. Hello. I'm Neil. And I'm Paddy. And welcome to Invasion of the Poddy Snatchers. Great. So what are we watching today? We're watching Scott Pilgrim vs. the World from 2010, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Michael Cera. And directed by Edgar Wright, one of our favourite directors. One of our very favourite local lads. But why this one? I mean, it's not... It's not Shaun of the Dead. It's not Baby Driver. It's not even Ant-Man. Why? 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 Why are we watching this? Well, I felt it's a bit overlooked in the few films he's done so far. And I'm wondering if it's interesting to look at something that might become more appreciated over time. It's only 10 years since he was out. I'm quite keen to watch it anyway, because I've not seen it since it was at the pictures. I have literally only listened to the soundtrack quite obsessively and watched clips from YouTube, usually of the musical performances, because I've really enjoyed the music in this. But why do you think, I mean, just from thinking back, why do you think this was such a box office disaster? Well, it must be partly down to the uh, marketing. They weren't quite sure what they had. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's a romantic comedy, but it's got lots of game-influenced fighting scenes, action scenes. It's quite an odd new mix of things. But I think that's also why it might be viewed in the future as something new and a starting point for something that's new in the future. Sure. I think we should probably watch the film. What have we got as a treat today? Why is it garlic bread? Uh, because you failed to buy the biscuits. I did indeed fail to buy any biscuits. I apologise, listener. Um, We have no biscuits. We only have garlic bread. So let's watch it and then we can have a chat and see what we think. Okay, so film's over. What did you think? Well, I really enjoyed it, Paddy. What did you think? Again, I loved it. I loved it more than I remembered, actually. I thought it was hugely creative, great storytelling, really engaging. I genuinely had a lovely time watching that again. Yeah. So um, things that stood out for you? I think visually, so much going on all the time. There's comic book stuff. There's the music. There's gaming yeah, those gaming references are really all that sixty. Is it eight bit? All that eight bit reference, like the start where they do the universal theme, which we've <clears throat> sampled. Those things are really cool and very much part of the aesthetic and the idea of it. Puts it back in contact with its source material, the the graphic comic, which uses the same ideas. Yeah, I mean, and and it's not just um, a comic book superhero comic book; it's a manga influence book and therefore there's the manga influence on the action choreography and the look of it the action scenes are really pretty good actually there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh fight scenes and they're great they're really involving they feel as though they're influenced by hong kong wushu Uh, yeah wushu sort of the action cinema i mean it credited um Jackie Chan there at the end as a special thank you. Probably his um, team. What do you think he was involved? I think it's his um, stunt team that was involved. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many as well, nerd references. There's bits that are aimed at me, essentially. The film is made for me. It's my kind of music. It's full of things that I can recognise, like 
the name of every band is a play on something in a computer game that I will have played, like The Clash at Demon Head or Sex Bob-Bombs from Mario. Is that Mario? I think that's Mario. Not being a massive gamer, I wouldn't know about those references, but I can pick up on those and see how they make sense within the story, how everything, you know, it never takes me out of the picture that he suddenly headbutted someone and they've turned into a shower of coins. Um, and those those effects are really well put together. They look expensive. Yeah, and it's all sort of beautifully shot moment of that's the end of that um, fight and he's the winner or whatever it happens to be. So should we talk about, yeah, I think we should talk just quickly about the plot. Yeah, so Scott Pilgrim, semi-loser, he's in a band, so he's got some sort of coolness, but he's the bass player. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a very good bass player. He's a kind of cocky guy. He's going out with this younger girl who sort of hero worships him, and he loves all of that attention. That attention's really important to him because he's getting out of a bad breakup, which was a year ago, and... We hear a lot about that through the film. Yeah, and he's not got that self-esteem thing. He's he, he's basically a drain on the people around him, his sister, his friends, his roommates, everything. But they sort of put up with it because then essentially he's a nice guy. He's quite charming. I mean, Michael Cera, who's acting as Scott, is does somehow makes the loser embarrassment that is Scott into somebody you don't hate. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. When he meets this girl literally of his dreams, Ramona Flowers, you could see in her eyes at moments where she just finds his bumblingness charming and yes. sweet. And so the rest of the film is his pursuit of Ramona. They do not pursue, that's the wrong word. They, they relate to each other. They enjoy each other's company. And um, you can see that in... The, in in the relationship between the actors, yes, you can see how they, the word again is chemistry. I guess, yeah, it's that secret thing. They got it together. They're happy together. They it, enjoy each other's company. They feel like they're friends. Yeah, it does feel friendly. Then he has to fight the evil exes, which leads to some amazing fight scenes and some brilliant music scenes. As they, the two things are generally mixed as part of the, as a key part of the film. In fact, yeah, absolutely. It's. Well, she has seven evil exes that he's got to fight, but no one challenges what's going on. It's kind of like, oh, my brother can fight. Or Yeah. I really enjoy as well the fact that a lot of the film, especially the first part of the film, is massively talented female actors who just use Scott's character as butts of their jokes. We've got Anna Kendrick, who absolutely lays into him, and Audrey Plaza, who's hilarious throughout it. And... It's just so funny, in my opinion. I mean, it's that is another thing that might be divisive because it has a certain type of comedy, doesn't it? Yes, it's it's a comedy. It's a musical. It's a gaming situation. Is all this in a game in his head where he has yeah. to fight these people, or it's about a, a guy coming to grips with maturing in some ways and learning how he affects other people in life. The way we're describing it, it sounds like somebody's had all of the ideas and threw them all in a pot, chucked it at the wall, and it's just a mess. It is a mess. It's too much, definitely. But it it is and it isn't, isn't it? It's actually very carefully thought out, mm-hmm. presented, and all these things are layered on top of each other and carefully done. It's just, can you take it all in at once? It, it's chaotic. It's overwhelming. There is a lot going on. And... I mean, the film was expensive to make. Let's just talk briefly about that because it's an absolute 
bomb. 85 million mm. estimated budget, and it took hardly anything at the box office. Critics loved it. Audiences did not care and didn't go and see it. Yeah, and so why is that? Now, we've touched on there's a lot of music. It might be that that music doesn't appeal to everybody. It's indie rock. It's not everybody's taste. It's a, it's a niche market, let's be honest. It's the uh, people who like Beck will go and see this film yes. for the music. Yeah, I mean, if it had been all rap battles, would that have made more sense in terms of uh, I would not have seen it. But anyway, <laughs> it may have made a better marketed film. It may have been easy to market that if there had been more like current music rather than music for 40 year olds <laughs> let's be fair that it is though another thing it's hard to pigeonhole this film at a time when superhero movies were starting to take off they've kind of sort of said it's a superhero film but it's he doesn't go rescuing cats out of trees no there's beauty there's beautifully choreographed action scenes but they are not the superhero type things we're not fighting against a villain here there's no arc of good guy bad guy yeah it's I'm, a romance yeah it's a romance he's he's literally fighting for her heart it's not about i'm going to save the day the villains are going to destroy the world yeah okay one of them punched a hole in the moon but you know <laughs> <laughs> and and given such a big cast and it is a big cast and it's a cast that is full of talent there's only three characters that are actually written beyond Jokes and sort of yeah yeah, yeah. three characters that have an actual life that isn't superficial yeah yeah, yeah. so you've, we've got Scott mm-hmm. Ramona and Knives and Knives I I mean I've added Knives when we were talking I was saying I felt that she had a character arc a development but she is to start with there to illustrate and demonstrate how you know she's she's a symptom of Scott's stuffed upness the fact that he's a loser because he's dating a 17-year-old. I think it's a brilliant performance by Ellen Wong to get more out of it than that. She she is fantastic in this. She's fantastic in it, definitely. She's effervescent, she's bubbly, she gives a great interpretation of someone who's infatuated, and you can see all of that in her. And she also manages to bring out the depth, a bit more depth into the character as it goes on. You feel a lot of sympathy for her character, that she's trapped in this adulation of this person who doesn't really deserve all her adulation. Yeah. And you, yeah, we learn that she learns. And that's why I said, that's why I've included her. Well, but not uh, young Neil, for example, or Kim, the drummer, whose job is to sit. She doesn't, does we ever see her doing anything other than hitting the drums? No, it, it, I noticed oh. it in the background. She's just still and doing nothing. Yes. Literally told to do nothing. She's staring at Scott. She's still yeah. obsessed with Scott because Scott broke up with her. Because Scott's actually not a good person. Yes. Not really very good at being a person. Yes, and this is something he learns during the course of the movie. Does Ramona learn that much? I think that we learn about Ramona because she... Right, so my memory of the film before we rewatched it was that she was just an object of adulation, that she's just the unattainable, beautiful woman who's she's a like gorgeous hipster, she's so cool, and Scott sees her and thinks this is everything that he wants. And that is true at the start, we see more of her as we go through that she's a hurt, a wounded person, and that she's, you know, mm, this is very pretentious for such a joyously stupid film. But yeah, she actually has a backstory and we learn about that. Ramona doesn't change through the film, but we learn about her. Yeah, that feels right. She's fed up with her life, the way it's gone a bit. She needs something 
calmer, quieter. And that's why Scott appeals to her because yeah. he's he's not hard work. He's just a nice guy. Yeah. Except she doesn't know that he's been a bad person before because she didn't know his backstory. Where everyone, where we do, we don't. You know, mm. she doesn't know that he's being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> we see that. We see him develop into being less of an idiot. And he's uh yeah. She's prepared to accept his growth and learning during yeah. this period. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. Have we, I've, I know we've made it sound really like de- deep and stuff. There is that little bit. There's a little bit of depth to the story. It is a superficial romance. It's lovely, and it's just got enough. It's just got enough for me to feel that it was realistic. Yeah, there's a speed. It, it's so fast-paced, so funny, so driven towards what it's doing to give you everything all at once that you get carried along with all of that anyway. You do. You do, and that's actually something else. Is that there's? I mean, there are characters whose sole purpose is to exist as for jokes. Kieran Culkin, as the roommate, I can't remember his name. Does Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. Wallace's existence is purely to be hilarious. He makes jokes at everybody's expense the whole way through. That's his whole purpose. Yeah. Um, we have uh, the Anna Kendrick, who's so acerbic, and again, her purpose is to exist as putting Scott down. Yeah, just going to puncture the older brother's delusions about himself. Yeah, and Aubrey Plaza, who is just everywhere for no apparent reason, and is, again, <laughs> she's very funny. She's yeah. just good. Just, But she exists as a joke. Uh, as do all the evil exes. Yes. I mean, the last... Well, I mean, the twins don't even say anything, do they? No, they don't get a line at all. No. It's quite sad, because like, there's... Mind you, it is a great scene, that thing with the... The fight scene with the Yeti id monster versus the two dragons. That's a very cool scene. Yeah. Well worth watching on YouTube. You can definitely pick that one out. Also, we've got a huge number of actual superheroes now in this superhero-ish film. In minor roles, there's Brie Larson playing Scott's ex, NV Adams, or Natalie, as she's really called. Um, Brandon she, Ruth Brandon, or Ralph? Or we, 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 which one should we go for? Ruth, Ralph. Ralph. You're going with Ralph, okay? Brandon Ralph. Brandon Ralph. Who's Superman at the? Is he Superman at the time, or he, has he given up? He just played Superman. I think there was a lot of talk. Well, Superman had been a big flop. Superman Returns. Yes. So, although he's cast on the back of it, I think it's coming out as he's filming, and then it's like, yeah, oh kind of dear. Dies. And we've Sorry got Chris Evans as Captain America, and we've got all of Chris Evans's uh, stunt people as well, <laughs> who are actually. All voiced. It's, it's another one of the little jokes. They're all voiced by Chris, Chris Evans. And they're all looking to be possibly the new uh, Wolverine by the looks of them with the mutton chops <laughs> and everything. It's all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, lots of people who cast because they're fantastic actors who got the comedy chops to do that, what yeah. they're doing, and the action chops. Um, even Mae Whitman and so on. All, the, all these wonderful people. I'm going to say, you haven't seen The Duff, have you, with Mae Whitman? No. Okay, that is. Up there with Mean Girls as one of my favourite films of the, the, the that era, the 2010s. It's a really good teen comedy. And she's fantastic in it. And I don't know why she hasn't had a better, bigger... She's had a great career, I'm sure, but I don't know about it. I don't know why I don't know more of her films. I don't know why she's not a bigger star. Exactly. I mean, maybe she's got a big career in TV in America. I don't know, but we could probably look that up. Uh, yeah, Brie Larson's fantastic. I mean, obviously... She- she is now Captain Marvel, but at this point, she was about to go on and be in Oscar-nominated for The Room. 
Brie Larson's not a new to acting, but this is one of her breakout roles. She's been a child star, I think, or at least she's been on a lot of telly. Yeah, I mean, she's actually a professional singer, but is oddly dubbed. In well, this. that's because the sing the people from Metric, the band who they whose song it is, that Black Sheep, in, would only give them the the rights to the song if they were singing it. Right. Yeah. Although Brie Larson's on the soundtrack album. And she has fantastic presence there, far, and she gives far more than the role would appear to demand. I suppose that's the key, isn't it, to to his casting technique? Is that he's get, he's always casting people who are giving him that little bit more. They are, and this is what we're saying, yeah, because like Chris Evans gives such a lot of comedy in it. Brandon Routh is it's, it's his, it is fun his little bit, uh, and surprisingly good in the comedy too. And Brie Larson gives real depth to envy. And Natalie, despite Natalie being just there to be the person that broke Scott's heart, that's her entire purpose. Yes, but you can tell in her eyes at times that she's really giving a sound performance of a real person who's just only been given five minutes. But I think this is part of the the thing we were talking about. Why did this film flop? And part of it is it's got this huge budget, which I think we can almost view it as an investment by the production company Universal and so on. In the futures, all these different character actors, Chris Evans is about to be cast as Captain America and become massive. Mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is about to go into a diehard sequel, playing a fairly dull role when perhaps she should have been the psychic. Yeah, she's a, she's a very charming actor. She's got a natural screen presence that reminds me of Sigourney Weaver, to be honest. Very authoritative. Yeah. yeah, she's fantastic. I mean, she's great in the thing prequel. Unfortunately, that's not a great film, but she is fantastic. She's not a fault in that. No, I keep seeing as well her in minor roles in big films, and I'd, like, I'd just love to see more. Again, I don't know why I don't know more of her films either. Exactly, but I think... Uh, it, it speaks to the sexism in Hollywood that she, her career couldn't stand two big flops in a row. But Michael Sarah can do, oh God, Andy, yeah, he's had some dreadful, dreadful films. Dreadful films. He can turn up in Twin Peaks and do two lines and yeah. just go, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but anyway. he does what he likes these days, um, uh, which is good in and of itself. It's Rory Culkin is now in succession. Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin. I think, and Kieran Culkin is now in succession, so he's had a good career. But well, again, they they seem to have invested a lot in people who didn't quite seem to make it or have gone off and made it elsewhere. But I mean, we would say people like Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick have had amazing careers. We've of seen course, that. yeah. But they've not done it with Universal. That's what you were saying. Yeah. I was just listening. I did. I should listen more. Yeah, it, Paddy doesn't listen to what I say. What was, that? what was you saying? <laughs> and of course. Universal have invested in Edgar Wright's career. They then produced World's End as well, I yes. think. Uh, but he very much only makes the films he loves and has to make. Yes, I agree. Talking about World's End, that's made a stack of money. That was made on a much smaller budget, and that was hugely profitable. Edgar Wright has only had one flop, and it's this film. Yeah, but as you said, critically, very well regarded. I think it's... It's not quite as good, perhaps, as Baby Driver. Doesn't realise as much of his talents as that. Baby Driver is a lot more focused. He doesn't throw everything mm-hmm. onto that. It, it stays focused on the story. We were discussing the idea that perhaps if you're watching this film and trying to follow the story, there's a, so much that can jar you out of it. 
Yeah, the things that actually made sense to us, the the gaming references and the music, the little added on special effects, speech balloons almost, in mm. fact, sound effects that you see visually on the film, made sense to us. But you could see that would jar somebody else out of the film, perhaps, and just go, oh, what's going yeah. on now? I think that the story is told in a hyper-real way rather than a realistic way. So this, we are so focused on these characters that the, the, the fact that the other characters aren't as fully realised may be a choice with other people because there is such a contrast between them. And, of course, the fact that um, Scott isn't very likeable at the beginning. No, he Makes not. certain choices that aren't very admirable. But they're realistic. But I'm realistic, sure. Um, you know, he's still a young man. He's still learning about things. Yeah, I'm struggling to understand why I like the film. And I'm, I know I'm not. That's not true. No. I know why I like the film. I like all the stuff. I like all the things. I like all the visuals. I like the story. I like the characters. I want more of it. It's charming. It's lovely. Mm. It's um, It appeals to the nerdy side of you. It does. That's the main side of you, obviously. That's the only side of me. But I think those things that have blocked... Uh, other people's appreciation of it are probably the reasons why it hasn't become a bigger hit. And in the 10 years, 13 years since it was released, it's not something that you hear about people saying, oh, I found that on video, no. I watch it on TV, and I really like it. It's not developing a cult reputation, it seems, which is a shame. There's bits that could be jarring for a non-nerd. Yeah. We don't really think there's much wrong with this film, other than... It wouldn't appeal to other people. There's not necessarily what people would like in there. I thought it was perhaps on a rewatch a tad too long. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the ending briefly because it's kind of downbeat. It is. It's very low-key. You've had a climactic battle where Scott wins out with the help of knives and then Ramona seeing them feels like he's going to end up with knives. But I think we agreed that would be the wrong ending. And the it film seems to go that way. And they reshot it, having actually filmed him ending up with knives they had reshoots later to say right no he's got to come back and actually end up with Ramona and their solution is a little clunky I think it is a little clunky I think that's the word it, it it's the right thing to do but they haven't quite got the slickness of the rest of the film and that's perhaps a down downer at the end not giving you the emotionally satisfying moment and so as you leave you're like oh rather yeah. than Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe. it worked for me. Yeah, I think it worked for us, didn't it? But you could see how other people might leave the cinema thinking, mm, am I going to tell my friends to go rush out to see that? Perhaps not. Whereas if it had ended two minutes earlier with a, a bit more of a, an oomph ending... It might have been a different story. Yeah. yeah and I mean, so it's just another thing that's a film designed for us and not maybe for everyone. It's not got that universal. It is specifically... It's a film for me hmm. and... So there. Um, just let's just to wrap up. Edgar Wright's not going to be remembered for this one, is he? Probably not. I mean, he's still going to be uh, director of Hot Furs and Shaun of the Dead on his tombstone. Let's face it. But it's an important stepping stone for him in his development. I think in terms of it's a very tight story, very well realised. He's at the height of his powers and his energy, and it's his first American film. There's no one in this from his British films at all. No, that's an interesting point. He does not rely on... I mean, even backstage, uh, backstage, behind the scenes, there's an entirely American and Canadian crew. Yeah, the, the only person he takes over, it seems, is his brother, who's done a lot of the like yeah. cartoons and stuff, and he relies on for storyboarding and things. 
But yeah, it's not as if um, it's narrated by um, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or and there's no Nick Frost cameo. No, there's no cameos. It's interesting. None of his American films have any of those sort of no. callbacks. Or but I tell you what, I think it's the film that allows him to make Baby Driver, which is one of my favourite films. It's a very different film, but it uses it's still visually and obviously Edgar Wright film. Yeah, but it's not so chaotic. It's got more focus. And is that something? Was it something about Toronto that makes it feel a little cloudy, a little grey, whereas Baby Driver is? Bright, bright yeah. sunshine, beautiful. Well, I mean, the film, the Scott Pilgrim, set in the winter. It's got that wintry feel. It's got a wintry feel. It's yeah, despite being funny, it's a wintry and melancholic moments throughout. Anyway, I think we should probably stop there. I think we've, I think we've covered most of it. Yeah, I think we have. I mean, we we love that film. We love Edgar Wright. Um, I think I love the film. I think it just it chimes for me. It really gets me right in the movie appreciation nerd and rom com thing. It just does everything for me. Fair enough. We're gonna not pick a rom com next time, I guess. Uh, feels like it might be a horror film next. We shall see. All right then. So thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Okay. Bye. <laughs>